Okay, so I'm here with Sylvia, my good friend Sylvia. And Sylvia's just finished organizing a gathering in Portugal. And I thought it would be interesting to talk about that. But my thought was to like rewind the clock um, a couple of years back because I, I want to, I'm kind of making the argument that Twitter is a dating app for making friends and that there's an opportunity to use this social media platform not for having annoying arguments. Uh, or just like looking at people's dinner or something, but actually to form meaningful friendships and working collaborations and make a good livelihood and, you know, be on a spiritual path and whatever, like that, that a good life is accessible through Twitter. So I thought it could be interesting to like rewind the clock. You know, you and I met, I think like two years ago, we are having a conversation because we both have small businesses and we were just like exchanging advice and tips. And I suggested at some point you should get on Twitter and then something, something, something happened. And then now it's two years later and you're organizing gatherings for people who all met each other on Twitter to spend time together. And like, I think you're doing a lot of your business through Twitter and you're like, yeah, initiating this like very meaningful community experience. Um, so I wanted to get just some of the story, you know, the moments in the story that build up to this, because my ideal outcome was that other people could you know, follow along this conversation and get some sense of like, oh, right, like this is how, this is how I can find my way into meaningful relationships and meaningful collaborations. And I don't know how achievable or repeatable it is, but maybe hearing some of your story will at least be inspiring. So if you rewind the clock in your head, what, what happened? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think you even suggested that I'll go on Twitter. You just, you were just there. And I was like, oh, what, what's Rich doing there? Uh, and I just started following people that you were following. And then I eventually started interacting a little bit. And it was fun. And it took me a, a moment to, like a couple of months to actually start making friends. Um, but one of, so yeah, one of the things that, that kind of marked my, beginning of using Twitter more extensively and meeting people was Yatart reached out to me to have a call uh, at some point. And I was like, oh, you, you can do that. That's so exciting. Um, so he was the first person I, I called on Twitter. And, and from then on, I kind of started having calls with people and I was like, oh, I can actually do that. Just choose someone that I, you know, whose vibe I like and ask them to have a call with me. So I started doing that. And then at some point I came across Visa's do hundred thing challenge. And I decided to post a hundred drawings, make hundred drawings and, and post them on Twitter. And I started doing that and people started enjoying them. And eventually someone asked me if they can commission something from me. And I said, yes. And they really liked it. And then people started uh, yeah, commenting on my drawings and they enjoyed them. And I was like, oh, I can actually do this as a full-time job. And I would like that a lot. So yeah, I started doing that. And it sort of, Twitter became like the place where I make friends online and also where I make money online, which sometimes it's still a little bit of a, a, a tricky line to navigate because I, I want to be myself and I want to be friendly and I want to be playful um, but also I want to have clients so it, it's been a very interesting challenge to find a way 
to earn money in in a way that I I still feel like it's basically my friends want to buy stuff from me and they want to commission stuff from me so it's it's really amazing that I have these relationships where we are first friends and then we collaborate on something or they commission something from me or like someone wants to do a vibe trade with me uh vibe trade is this thing that I do where I it's like I make someone I have a call with someone and then I make a piece of art based on their vibe so it's like a portrait but instead of their face it's their vibe and then I met a lot of people I became friends with through that so it's like a very mixed between um, making friends and also earning a living from there and eventually I discovered the Lisbon crew on Twitter uh, and I started hanging out with them and then that's how I started to transition from Twitter and calls into in real life presential uh, meeting people. And then a few people were passing by Portugal to visit and I met them. Um, and then Jess camp happened. So yeah. Jess organized this uh, meetup in February, end of February. And um, I met a lot more people through that. And then after that, I just, yeah, just started meeting more and more people and also forming some sort of a, let's say a congregate congregation in microsolidarity terms around the Portugal area. And this is what led me to organize uh, Cata Lisbon, the meetup that, that we just had now. So that was the first one I organized. Um, and maybe there'll be more. Mm. So this, it just sounds like this process of escalation from like reading Twitter, interacting on Twitter, sending people private messages, getting on a call, mm -hmm. meeting physically, like a few people at a time, and then having events that are like multi-day Yeah, people come together. And then I assume the next steps beyond that in terms of escalation are like start a commune, make babies, <laughs> start a business together, <laughs> launch a space program. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think there's people in this, yeah, the, this circle of like this part of this part of Twitter who are already getting started on those things. And uh, yeah, it's very fun to watch and participate in that. Maybe off, off when we're not recording, I want to know who's making babies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's specific part, I'm not sure. But <laughs> that's my key performance indicator for an effective gathering. <laughs> I'll let you know if I hear anything. <laughs> um, so, so okay, we're up in the present. You've done, you've just done Catalysbun. So now I want to know, really, like the um, the pra the practical stuff, like how many people, how big was the space, where were people sleeping, how much mm -hmm. did it cost, how do you manage the finances? You know, like the just speak to the event organizer mm -hmm. and me um so wait let me think about all the questions you asked you asked how many people so there were 31 people um the space was so there was one main venue uh that had space for 26 people and then another smaller one just like very close by for like overflow people and also that we kept as a you know if someone 
suddenly had COVID or if something happened and someone was having a bad time, there was this other extra place that they could go to. Um, Can you tell me about the space? The space? Like, yeah, what style of place was that? So it was an Airbnb. So the thing like we, we uh, booked this um, space and we booked the, the gathering for one of the worst weekends in Portugal because there's this big festival happening so everything else was booked so this was kind of like the only choice that I found uh but it turned out to be a really cool place so it's this it it was through Airbnb and it was this big warehouse that was turned into accommodation so it was a very very big space with eight bedrooms and people were sharing bedrooms um there was one with six people, most of them were three people and some with two people as well. And yeah, there was a kitchen, there was a big hanging out lounge uh, area and it was a little bit out of town, uh, but you could just take an Uber or a bus to go to town. Mm-hmm. And it was in a like in a relatively industrial area, so you could make a lot of noise. Um, yeah, and it was a really cool space. And I That's think people right. liked it. And it was kind of a risk because I just booked it and I never went there to see it because I wasn't in Lisbon until like just before the event. So I just arrived there the day of the event and it was just like, okay, let's see what this looks like. And it was actually very cool. Um, so I'm always curious about these like, very practical things because they present like an obstacle to someone else. You know, it's like, where do you find a venue? So Airbnb, great. And yeah. then what about the financial side? Like how much risk were you up against when you booked it? Um, so I had people pay beforehand. So what we did, I organized this with, with Mage, my Celia Mage on Twitter. And we, we decided, we just had the idea like, oh, let's, let's do this thing. And there's a few friends that we have that are already in Europe and some of them that are probably going to be traveling to Europe. So let's check interest first and let's contact those friends first and um ask them to just you know transfer us the money if they want to participate and then if we don't have enough people we we had a minimum of 15 people uh, that we needed in order to cover the costs of the space so we wait until we had that many people until we booked the venue and then so there was no risk really mm. uh and then we booked the venue and then we filled the rest of the spots yeah Sweet. That's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I did it all just like personally through my account. So there were, we didn't have any profits and it was very unofficial. It yeah. was just like a bunch of friends going to yeah, it's a, it's and like, I'm the one who pays for it. Yeah. It's like a friend's weekend together. It's not a yeah, business exactly. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've just started a open collective for micro solidarity and mm-hmm. I'm extremely happy with it. And I think it's, it could be a really useful model for other people that are like, wanting to go one step beyond what you just did, you know, like yeah. if it's, we're going to do this every six months or something Yeah. Um, that makes it legal, um, but also very efficient and very transparent and straightforward. And it's like, because it's transparent, it's not like, oh, we trust Sylvia. Here's all of our money. You know, it's like, no, here's our collectively owned pot of money and we can all see it. We can see what's coming in and what's going out. And that, that feels really like futuristic and, and simple. Um, so then we've got the space. Then what happened? Like how much, um, 
what's your role? I mean, your role, you've been convening. So you've doing this like privately contacting people who you want to be with and inviting them in. Um, and then and then they're there. Um, what kind of responsibility do you have for the experience while they're there? Um, so this was something very interesting that it was not very intentional, but it kind of ended up happening that way. And it felt like the best way, which was since this is like a not for profit thing, it is just a bunch of friends coming together. Um, what I decided to do was, okay, I was the one who booked the space and like did the pre-event thing. So now we are all here together and everybody's responsible for this experience and we're all gonna create it. So from the beginning, uh, we tried to set this expectation that everybody's responsible for it. Like if you wanna organize something, if you wanna do a, there, there was no schedule, uh, but there was an invitation for like, if you wanna do a workshop or a session or something to offer to the group, you can do it. And we're all gonna come together and like come up with a plan or like a, the best way possible to like combine everything. And everybody's responsible for cooking and cleaning dishes and taking the trash out and keeping the space nice. And also to take initiative. Like if there's something in the space that could be better, like if that couch would be better over there, or if we could have an extra area here for, I don't know, be more cozy or for play, just just go and, and do it and see how other people feel about it. So uh, I, I try to have as little, uh, practical work during the event so that I could always be available for people to come to me with ideas to just be a sounding board and to just solve problems that were coming up. So um, yeah, for example, with, with cooking, we just ordered a bunch of food for the whole time. And then um, each day I asked for a chef, like someone to be the chef and they were responsible for dinner and they would find their own crew they were like asking people who would like to help them in the kitchen to be the cooks and they would come up with a meal based on the ingredients that i had bought and and i had nothing to do with the kitchen just finding who would be the chef so there was a lot of that kind of thing happening um where i tried to take as little responsibility for the things themselves like the workshops there's this specific workshop happening at that specific time but I know nothing about it if you want to know about it you go talk to the person and if you want to do something else or collaborate you go talk to the person and, and you do that together uh, yeah and it worked really well mm. Mm. that's really inspiring I'm so used to doing it the other way where it's like really uh, explicit hosting there's a structure mm -hmm. there's a plan there's like people are paying because they were they're going to receive some kind of you know like when we do yeah. a training or something like that where it's like yeah, they they set time aside in their calendar to go and learn a bunch of skills, and I've got to deliver that yeah. training. You know, it's like a really different mentality. Mm -hmm. And I I talked with Jess after she organized Jess Camp, and she described something very similar. And I'm like, whoa! I basically <laughs> learned this from Jess because I was at Jess Camp, and Jess was doing it this way. And I was like, oh, you you can just do this. You can just create an empty space for people to building blocks on top of it and like create it together oh. and because I already had that like I, I just copied a lot of things from what Jess had done at Jess camp and then because I didn't have to think about those things I could build on top of that like okay now we can actually ask people to take initiative to 
do activities that they might want to do, things that they might want to offer. And it feels like every time we do it now, we can add a new layer on top because we can learn from the experience of the person who organized it before and some things will be automated and happen much more easily and people will already be tuned into that idea of the fact that we are creating this together and there's this kind of super organism Mm. that needs different things at different times and people can just tune into that and like bring those pieces down and take action and and make them happen Mm. so that one layer there is inspiring about this like self-organizing system where everyone's contributing and no one has to have like a really explicit responsibility for the whole Mm -hmm. um but then there's the other layer which is well just started it and now you're doing it you and mage so like what was that what's the connection there like was there an explicit succession or was it just like an emergent did you was there a fight did you steal it off Jess? <laughs> <laughs> no just didn't want to organize it i i basically i wanted another gathering to happen in portugal and i didn't really want to organize it but like no one else was going to do it so i was like you know what i'll, I'll just do it myself um and yeah that, that's how and and major and i were were talking about that and we just decided okay let's let's just make it and jess was there like throughout the whole time and she was like this invisible helper that like she was always there and i would always ask her questions and every time i had some problems or doubts i i would ask mm-hmm. jess and so yeah she was very much a part of it and um her help was invaluable and so yeah, she, she didn't want to organize it. So I did it. Um, and also another thing about succession was that Jess Camp was open to everyone to join. It was like published and people could just get a ticket. And this one was different. The initial idea was for it to be open, but um, we just started thinking, oh, there's these people that we would really like to have there. So let's send them an invitation first. And then after that, we'll open it to the public. But then pretty much all of those people wanted to come and they ended up filling all the spots. Um, and then there were a few spots left, but we were like, oh, we're not going to open it to the public just for these you know, few spots. So we might as well just keep it as something private. And because of that, we didn't want to call it Jazz Camp because like Jazz Camp is kind of goes... It, it would go against the spirit of Jess Camp, which is something open to the public. And so it was like just something different. Mm. And um, mm. yeah, I had a bit of an ethical dilemma because of that. But it was like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm making this and this is how it ended up being. And, and that's fine. Uh, yeah. So it was not like a succession of, oh, there was a Jess Camp and then there was a Jess Camp too. That's why we called it Cato Lisbon. It was a different thing. Um. I've got a bunch of different thoughts popping at the same time. One is that in micro solidarity terms, I say that leadership is the capacity to make a compelling invitation. Mm-hmm. So like the fact that you and Mage can make a list of people and say, I'd really love to spend time with you. And they all say, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a peculiar kind of leadership that not everyone can do. You know, it's like mm-hmm. about basically having a critical mass of relationships and trust that people actually are like, Oh, if you're, if you're organizing, it's going to be great. Um, but this thing about, you know, the ethical dilemma of the way that I hear it is like the dilemma of being exclusive and being like, oh, you know, 
if this is about community, it always it, it's always a bit of a paradox to be excluding people, but yeah. it seems to be necessary as well. Um, my my mission, I guess, is like this 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 kind of event doesn't work with three thousand people. You know, mm-hmm. it just doesn't. You can't you can't have the same experience. Like you're saying about oh, we just asked a few people and we they gave us some money and then we got the Airbnb, like <laughs> that, that doesn't scale beyond like 50 people. Yeah. Um, and so you are going to exclude everyone else on the planet apart from those 50. And so like my mission is that, can we just show people how they initiate these and like, what is, what is the hard part? Like what are the bottlenecks? What are the unique things that, that come naturally to you? And this was the same with Jess, right? She also makes compelling invitations. Um, what is that, that you, what is that capacity how do we how do we develop it? How do we um yeah, show more people how to play that game? And then it's not like everyone has to come because they can just start their own one in all different parts of the world and we can all be remixing and learning from each other. Um, so that makes me want to know more about still about your role. And maybe it's easier to think about what you saw Jess doing at Jess Camp. What was Jess's role at a more subtle level, like at the in a more energetic way or like the interpersonal field vibes, like the stuff that is not about moving objects in space, but is more about how people feel around each other. Do you know what Jess was doing or do you know what you have been doing to make this work? Mm. Yeah, I thought about that a few times. And this was actually one of my intentions going into Catalysbon was... Um, the way how I was describing it when it was an intention was that I wanted to have this center mm. in myself moving through the whole thing without being like easily knocked down by things coming at me and just like remaining centered and um, being able to rely on people around me, at least the team of closer people like like Mage and Jess. Um, to support me if if things were more difficult uh and to actually this is something that i read on one of your tweets at some point you wrote about i think it was like this thread about what are some of the things that you should do when you're hosting an event or something like that and one of them was if you feel nervous or if you're like undecisive or there's like some tension just make sure that you'd let out as little as possible of that because people will pick up on that very easily and then it will just move from person to person. So this was also very present for me as an intention to just just trust everything and be there and be present to solve problems as they came. But it's like, if something happens, it's like, it's not a big deal. I have help. Uh, We all trust each other there and I can be calm because I will be, make it much easier for me to solve problems as they arise. So uh, yeah, I was I was a bit nervous before the event and just like, oh, what are the possible case scenarios, things that can happen? And um, what if this thing goes badly? And what if this other thing uh, doesn't work? And then as I arrived there, it, it felt like energetically, I, I started feeding on people's good energy and then I had more good energy to give and they started feeding on mine and what I was doing 
was I even commented on this with with a few people during Catalysbon was that I was pretty much moving through the space because it felt like everybody was taking care of everything right there were people cooking there were people taking care of the space there were people organizing workshops there were people taking care of each other like every time someone was going through something more difficult there was already someone there Mm. helping them and supporting Mm. them and telling me hey this person is going through a hard time but I'm already supporting them is there anything else so it felt like I could basically just move in the space which was this big space where everybody was together and just be radiating good energy and just sitting next to someone and start playing music and they asked me how I was feeling I was just always feeling great because everybody was just like so great as well and and feeling so good and doing things and the thing was happening collectively so I could just move and stand up to go to the next place and not go not know where I was going next but just letting things come to me And then there was always someone asking me, hey, can I do this thing? Uh, And I could just say, yeah, here's how you could do it. I don't actually have anything specific to do right now, so I can talk to you about it. Uh, And this was also something very interesting, which is sometimes people just like they had these ideas and there was space for their ideas to come up and they just needed permission or like validation to be like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Why don't you do it? Uh, What do you need from me to help you? make it happen and just giving them permission to take full responsibility for it and gather whatever resources and help they needed and just make it happen so i felt like a lot of it energy wise was just me moving through the space and feeling really good and radiating that to people and sometimes just going to someone and hugging them and massaging them or you know giving suggestions to their questions or offering help and something that I learned from Jess at Jess Camp was something she did I really liked was at the opening ceremony. So the only two things that she planned for, for Jess Camp was opening ceremony, free space, free space, free space, free space, closing ceremony. <laughs> and I did opening ceremony. Then the next day, a meeting for us to create, to co-create the schedule or like plan for the whole thing and see you know, who wants to create what and how can we make that all coexist in space and time and then closing ceremony. But anyway, Jess at the opening ceremony uh, said that she, you know, that she's done the work until now and now she wants to be free to not do anything else and just enjoy until the end of Jess camp and then like come back again as an organizer at the end for exiting. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. I, I want to do something similar. And I, I, I wasn't ready to let go completely like that. I was still in charge. Uh, I was still doing things like going shopping and uh, there to solve problems if people asked me, which Jess also was. But it, I, I feel like I was more, um, that intention for me wasn't as strong, but there was a little bit of that feeling there, uh, which kind of gave created space for this feeling of everybody's co-creating this together which is very much what happened at jazz camp as well yeah that's probably more but Mm. that's what's coming up right now (laughs) that's still a a really useful description i i completely recognize it and it's yeah it's just cool to hear you describe how that works um i call it vibe hygiene this thing of being intentional about what emotional residue you're leaving 
when mm-hmm. everyone's attention is on you. You know, it's like, obviously it's not like you should just bottle things up and pretend you're having a good time when you're not, but like when you're not having a good time, having a strategic way of dealing with that emotion rather than yeah. just like leaving a bunch of anxiety on people as you encounter them. And, you know, like people really start to shrink up. Yeah. Um, there was something you described that I wanted to just double click on as well, which was um, what I see as fanning the flames of someone's agency. I think it's so essential like mm. um, that, that everyone has agency, but a lot of people don't really know how to activate it. And it, and it seems like there's a, a precondition, which is first of all, a kind of trust to even admit that I have ideas, things that I would like that are different from what are currently happening things that I might offer, you know, I might invite someone to do a thing and they might not come, you know, like there's the kind of risk of that. Mm-hmm. So first just to admit that that exists is a, a threshold that needs to be crossed. And I think we help people over that threshold just by compassion and acceptance and just modeling like, Hey, you're fine. I'm fine. Like you need that kind of critical mass. And then when someone actually vocalizes any kind of suggestion, again, being quite strategic and intentional about like, can I find a yes to this, regardless of what it is, even if it sounds like annoying or weird or not what I had in mind or, you know, mm-hmm. like awkward. Yes. You know, how can I support you? And, and especially when it's people that don't, don't have a lot of experience with like initiating stuff, then I'm just like, can we just yeah. support you to get moving? Because for me, once you're moving, then you can do some course corrections. You know, you can get feedback. You can be like, Oh, that didn't really work or, that was way too loud and we got complaints from the people in the other workshop or mm-hmm. yeah, great. Let's improve that next time. But it's so much better to adjust direction after you've started moving rather than like sit there in stasis and try and plan everything out perfectly before I make a move is that you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I yeah, think that's also the do 100 things thing as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it goes very much against my tendency to do things like my tendency is to control and to like have the whole plan and then just try to follow it. And I noticed, like, I think this is the biggest learning curve for me during Catalysmon was to notice the moments when I was being like feeling mm. this kind of, uh, it's contracting. I need to hold on to this and like plan and, and like predict. And it was very funny because at the end of the planning of the workshops, um, basically everybody came up with their own ideas and I was just trying to, hold a space and and guide things to be all organized together to basically have a thing on the wall where we have three days and this thing goes here this thing goes here this thing goes here these two things are similar so maybe these two people can do it together and at the end of it I didn't really know when to let go and I was looking okay so now it's fine you know some things don't really have specific times Mm. uh some people didn't fully plan it yet but I'm just gonna leave it on the board and say hey there's these things happening if you want to participate don't talk to me talk to the organizers of the workshops and then I was like okay so maybe I can make the board nicer now and maybe some things don't have times yet so I can go there (laughs) and write it and then someone there looked at me doing it and they're like what are you doing (laughs) I said I'm just making the board nicer you know organizing things and they were like hey you're you're great at doing this thing like organizing at this level but but it's okay to let go and I'm like oh yeah thank you I will I'll just leave it there I'll take a picture post it on the group chat and just let it be so there are a lot of those moments of me tensing up just Mm. like oh people are 
taking this bed outside to chill at night and I'm like oh what if they you know spill drinks on the bed or and then just be like what's the worst thing that can happen it's like there's drink spills on the bed and we'll have to pay for cleaning or whatever and and that's it it's fine it's okay let let it happen and just constantly noticing those things and having people that I could talk to about like going to Jess and saying hey Jess I'm 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 feeling this thing about this thing that's happening and you have experience with organizing I just want to tell you this you don't have to tell me anything I just want to have someone to talk about to talk to about the organizing level of things and to vent to and to just say whatever and then oh actually that's not that bad and mm. just tell me that I'm, that I'm doing well sometimes <laughs> it's like having someone there to like validate you and say hey you're doing great and there's this thing that you could do maybe and this is how I would do it uh you're you're doing great keep going this was just so important to to have those kind of people there as well um in case it's not obvious I want to be clear that the example of the mattress going outside and maybe getting damaged it's not just about the mattress. It's like a whole attitude towards life, right? Like this practice of whatever comes our way, we have the resources we need to deal with it. And it, mm-hmm. it, nothing's going to be gained from like pre-controlling everything and mapping out yeah. all the possible outcomes. Like that's just such a, um, it's an orientation that you can take towards life. And these are the kind of opportunities to practice it is with these like simple things about the mattress. <laughs> For sure. Um, I notice I want to, I want to make this conversation about me for a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll come back. Right. So yeah. basically from talking with Jess and then talking with you, um, it's making me think twice about my approach to events, which is so much more predefined. Um, and, and I certainly have, like I'm really aware of my tendencies to be a control freak, you know, like to want to manage every possible thing. And at the, at the best side of that, that means we produce really high quality experiences that are like everything is in its place. And there's a kind of craftsmanship to it, which I love, but on the downside, it's like, doesn't get, it sucks up all the opportunity for people to activate their own agency. Um, and so already with the next gathering that we're doing, I've taken some steps towards, making it much more open and less structured, which feels fine. But the big break for me that makes it, that feels like a bottleneck, um, at least the story I'm telling myself, like the reason I can't just let go of control the way that you two have is about the business model. Mm. Because if a bunch of friends are getting together for the weekend and there's minimal structure, just enough to help people self-organize and to have a great experience and to learn from each other, I have a hard time putting us a decent ticket price on that and taking a profit that then that I say, this is my job. Mm-hmm. I'm paid, you know, for a weekend like that or something, I, I, I want to leave with a few grand. Um, like if it was my corporate clients, some of our clients, we can charge like five figure days, you know? Um, and, and, <laughs> and it's like, well, obviously that's not appropriate, but is some profit appropriate? Um, what I'm where I'm currently at is like, well, the actual event itself is going to be mostly self-organized, but there's going to be more kind of lead-in activities online beforehand and more support afterwards so that the community's got this like 
there's like a real membership community experience mm -hmm. where you're going to keep having encounters with each other. There's continuous facilitation. And so that feels like a value add that I'm willing to charge people for, because it's like people can see I'm taking responsibility for this multi-month journey rather than just this weekend. And so that feels better about charging, but I'm still like inquiring into the myth of like, yeah, am I just making it up that people are not willing to pay for, I mean, sometimes there's a, there's a, a risk aspect as well so like some venues you're going to have to put up 10 grand just to get just to get the venue as well so there's like that i feel good about being paid for for taking yeah. a risk um but yeah i just want to get your take like how do you feel about getting paid for this work and do you think people would be willing you know like if all of those people added a hundred dollars to the ticket you would have left with three grand and how would that feel and would people up be up for it and then what if it was Three hundred dollars, and you had nine grand, and you shared it around with a few people. You know that that those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. mm. So one one thing that was coming up as you were saying that was a question um, when you mentioned, uh, yeah, would those people pay if there is less structure? Um, and the question is, what what are people paying for? Like, what do they really want from the event? And from what I gather from this, from Cata Lisbon was, and maybe I'm wrong because I didn't talk to everybody, but this was exactly what people wanted, like a space to just meet and be all together. And, and I would feel good charging more because it took a lot of work just to bring people together, to do the preparation, to invite people to book the venue, to think about logistics, to be there to answer questions, to be there to create the space. It's like, it, it's not like I didn't do anything in the space. I was always present. Like I was always there and always attuned to what was happening around me. And I was yeah. always available. And, and that that is something. And I think the kind of people that we want to do this for are aware of that. It's something that is not always visible, but but I think to to these people, I think it is visible. People were telling me that you know the event was that good because of my presence, because I was so chill and so grounding and so relaxed all the time that they could also relax around me. And I think this is worth something. And mm. I, I think you probably have that as well. Uh, But yeah, I think it comes back to the question, like, what are people, what do people want? What are they actually paying for? And I would pay for that. <laughs> um, and it makes sense to me to do it. I, I, I didn't charge for it because, well, one was, it was the first time I was doing this and, uh, and I felt like I wanted to have more freedom to experiment with less risk of like disappointing people. And it's like, hey, I'm not profiting. Basically, I'm charging you for accommodation and food. So whatever happens, it's it's because of all of us. We, we are doing it together. Um, which is also interesting because if I would charge, then even if I would do exactly the same thing, it would add the expectation, right? Like there's going to be a certain level of quality. And then because of that, things would probably be different, even if it was just completely open. So I don't know, like my, my intuition is to say, yes, this is something very valuable to do for people to organize this kind of thing and 
just bring it all together and create the container and be like, here it is. Now you can do whatever you want with it. And I'm going to be here to support you in taking the initiative to do whatever you want with it and communicate with other people, but not have like a schedule. Yeah. I don't know. Does that, does that give you something? It does. Um, um, I'm wondering how, how ready you are to charge for the next one to take a profit on the next one. Cause it's easy for you to give me advice, but I want to know yeah. how it actually lands for you. <laughs> well, I didn't even start planning to do a next one yet. <laughs> there are already people who are taking charge and doing that. Like mm. from kind of Lisbon, there's already two other events that are planned. Another one for this summer and another one for next summer. And it's mm. other people who are doing it. So it's like, Oh, I don't even need to do it myself because basically I think this is also where our situation is different because this is what you are doing for a living. So you want to make these spaces happen. And for me, it's just like, I want this space to happen because I want to be there and participate. But since no one else is doing it, I'm going to have to do it myself. And then hopefully as it happens, other people will be like, oh, this is actually not that hard. I can do the next one. And then I go to the next one. So I think it's also different motivations. So I'm not really planning to organize the next one because they're already happening and what I want is to participate. But if I would, if it would be happening, uh, I don't know. Uh, this time we charged, so it, it was four nights and for the people who booked earlier, and like helped us cover the risk. It was 200 and then people who came later was 300. Um, so next time, I don't know, I'm just kind of coming up with numbers right now on the spot, but yeah, it's what you said, even if it's like a hundred extra per person, uh, which for four nights and food included wouldn't be obscene, it would already have like give us a profit of, of 3000. So that sounds reasonable. Yeah. It sounds fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you're right. It is different because it's my job. And I'm like, uh, I mean, one of the things I already have shifted my attitude a bit towards like, um, some events are more about community building and less about getting paid. You know, I always, I mean, I do, both in my own experience and from speaking with more experienced community organizers, I have heard this repeating theme of like, you have to, you have, there has to be a business model in the sense of like, um, one of the, one of the things that we really lack in the world, I think is basically hosting capacity, like people who have the practical and the emotional skills to like bring these kind of events together and hold mm -hmm. community together. And one of the reasons we lack hosting capacity is because it's under-resourced and mm -hmm. like we can go into why that is, but um, I think feminism has done a good enough job of explaining that, but think you, you've just done this thing voluntarily because it's like a temporary thing. It's like, Oh, I can kind of fit this into my life and I'm willing to make that gesture, but you couldn't make, you couldn't make that your full-time gig unless you yeah. figured out how to get paid. And so I'm just thinking about like other people organizing things like this, like whoever's starting the next one or the next one. Um, on the one hand, it's generous of them to say, I'm going to volunteer and take this one. And, you know, we do it the same way, but in another way, there's another kind of generosity, which is I'm going to charge a profit on this 
so that my time is adequately repaid so that it makes it more accessible to more different kinds of people that they can do that. You know, um, I'm thinking about all of the, some of the best community organizers I know are completely broke. And it's like, if you could just do an event like that every few months and get it like a decent, a decent yeah. sum of income, I just think it'd be so much more sustainable. I think there'd be more people doing it. Um, and, and we've got, you know, it's like, if I'm going to see a life coach or a therapist, like I'm not expecting my coach to bring a lot of content, you know, I'm expecting them to bring presence and actually there's something about me paying them, which makes me pay attention more as well. And like mm-hmm. makes me prioritize it. Um, but we just don't have quite the same. I don't think, I, th- I think we haven't quite got the language yet or the frames or the patterns or the habits of like, Oh yeah, this is, this is a, one of those things. And this is a, one of those roles and it's worth about this much. I think all of that is kind of missing. And so I'm like kind of saying all this, hoping that there's an audience out there who's starting to pay attention to the value uh, and the time and the energy and the labor and think about how those value flows so that it's sustainable and that it keeps going, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, I, as you're saying that I'm also noticing like probably a, a part of why also I didn't charge was that first, the previous event happening in Portugal that just organized, it was also like, Mm. no profit and also there's just this fear of of charging people just like some sort of shame or guilt that i am profiting from this and also practically that i don't actually have a legal entity to host this from it's just me doing it for my friends so that that's just you know safer uh but i totally agree with what you're saying and yeah, it, it would be nice if people who do this could profit from it because then there would be more people doing it and it would feel, uh, yeah, less risky also and more rewarding. And it's good to have this kind of thing happen. Also, on the other hand, if it's less official and if, uh, and I'm talking about like my case and, and people who are now organizing the other ones after me not your case you are doing a whole other level of community service which is making the whole network happen and helping other people make it happen as well but if you're just like me and if you do like this one-off thing and then someone else does it afterwards there's also the you know the removing of pressure and expectation if it's something you're doing for free then it's okay if you fuck up because there's no I mean there's some accountability but it's like oh, well, you know, I tried my best. I just organized this thing for us and I didn't get paid for it. So, yeah, I think there's a, a little bit of both. Okay, so a couple of things. One is on the legal structure, I want to be really clear how amazingly easy Open Collective makes it. Like uh-huh. just about anywhere in the world, well, not anywhere, but lots of Western places in the world, um, you can spin up a legal structure like almost instantly and have all that mm. managed. And mm-hmm. it's really, really simple. So that's a really good option. Um, the other thing about, oh, if people are not paying, it kind of lowers the expectations or it lowers my sense of punishment for myself if, if I disappoint people. Mm. Um, I also feel that, don't get me wrong, I feel the exact same thing, but it, does, it doesn't have the ring of truth about it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it smells a bit of bullshit um, <laughs> because... Because it's like, 
the consequence of people coming and having a bad experience is their loss of trust in you mm-hmm. and your loss of reputation, which is worth a lot more than a few hundred bucks, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And whether or not people are paying, you really are bringing your A game to like try and create an excellent experience for them. So I think it's just, a, I think it's just a cope because we're ashamed about money. <laughs> yeah I, I guess you're right yeah. yeah i think maybe it's not as much about doing a bad job because like i was pretty confident that i was going to do a good job and like i was really excited about it and i put all of me into it it's more about the no structure thing like it gives me permission to experiment more and tell people you know so you have to clean dishes you know just if you see dishes dirty just go there and clean it or take out the trash or do things and I think if I was charging there wouldn't be as much space for co-creation unless I guess that's the premise of the thing right you're gonna go there to learn how to co-create something and how to listen to this collective thing that we are all doing here together and for that you 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 have to participate and you have to do things and listen to whatever is being asked of you from this thing so that becomes a communication job what you just yeah. did there is like, or what, what experience are you actually going for? Mm-hmm. You are going to, there are some learning outcomes, you know, like there, there are yeah. some sort of like value propositions and we can get better together at, at naming those. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering how much energy you've got left. I've got another 15 minutes of questions in me. If you've got that in Perfect. you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, another question that I've been, I mean, I am, I am aware that we haven't talked at all about what happened. Um, but I'm kind of okay with that because, mm-hmm. uh, what I'm interested in is like, what's the container and yeah. what skills people need to think about when they set up the container and then all sorts of stuff has happened. It's going to happen. It's going to be different. Like, like I said, some people are going to make babies. Some people are going to start businesses, like different mm-hmm. stuff happens. Um, I mean, if there's anything that happened that you really want to celebrate, that's good to hear, but I was going to take us in a different direction, which is about back to Twitter. So what I've been observing on Twitter, basically for the duration that you've been participating is the sense of um, a scene or a network of scenes becoming self-aware mm-hmm. and, and, and different people, you know, like Visa is one of them. I'm one of them. Um, Ashley from Doomer Optimism is another one. People that are sort of explicitly saying, hey, p- pay attention to what we're doing here. This is a place to make friends. This is a place to get organized. Um, and I'm seeing it, it feels like even in the last few days, it feels like it's reaching another stage of maturity. And there's been different events leading up to it. So um, Jess Camp and then Vibe Camp and then Carter Lisbon. So those, those like actual events, physical events, um, different online courses that people go through together. I've put on a few online courses that have invited people in. So there's like been all these opportunities. Um, so one of the things that I'm thinking about is... Because like I said, I'm a control freak. I usually think in terms of organizations and boundaries and like policies and structures and like who's in charge of what and what's the business model and da, da, da. Uh, and that doesn't seem like the right format for this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do wonder how much coordination is required. Like maybe this is enough that we have conversations and we leave a residue and people can follow along if they want to. Um, but I've been thinking about, for example, the relationship between Jess Camp and Vibe Camp. So on different continents, different scale, probably a different set of values and, you know, like priorities, um, but also very similar 
mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the audience that they're reaching. Audience is not the right word. Participants, community, um, and and a lot of the same sort of attitudes towards co-creation and so on. Um, and I'm like, I would love it. And maybe that's what I'm doing already is just like talking to these people and creating a kind of library of best practices or like making sure that as you learn from Jess, someone else can learn from you when they're about to initiate that. So like, I'm kind of doing that at the moment. Um, but I'm wondering if it would be helpful if there were a more explicit kind of coalition of Twitter scene event organizers that were like actually meeting with each other and, and exchanging mm-hmm. lessons. And the reason I say that is because I have a little fear that without that, what's going to happen is just the biggest players will take, will just kind of define the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's likely vibe camp. And it seems like vibe camp's great. I haven't got a problem with that, but it just seems like not strategic to let the biggest, richest American thing set the tone for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I say that with no disrespect because I love all the people who are involved. Um, but I'd rather see this like federated network of lots of different flavors that are all learning from each other. And I, yeah, I'm just curious your take on it. Like how you see your, like, do you, do you see your be, yourself being a node in a bigger system and how do you see those relationships and yeah, what's your take on it? Mm-hmm. I do see myself being a node in this network. I'm not sure. I feel some resistance to being an event organizer. I don't know if that's what I will always want to be doing. Uh, but then again, is there something else that could be like, what What does it mean to be like a node in the network? Maybe that is it, just like a node that connects different people um, in this case, in real life. Um, I, I definitely like the idea of having smaller events also because of, well, one, because of frequency, because I would like to have this happen in Europe in right now, it seems like we have three major hubs, Lisbon, Berlin, and London. And I would like to see it happen regularly every few months. And you can do that with VibeCamp. I mean, maybe you can, but it doesn't make a lot of sense to have like over a thousand people come together um, every two months and always the same people organizing that. It's just not going to happen. So one is frequency and the other one is intimacy. Just Mm -hmm. having that small space with 20, 30, 40 people where you come together and build relationships with most of them over the course of those days. also the fact that I like that different people organize it. So yeah, I don't know if it would, I don't know what I think about having like, let's say this org event organizers guild, right? Where the people who keep organizing it are talking to each other. I like the idea of different people taking initiative and, and doing it one after the other and sort of like passing the torch. But then again, I think it's never going to happen that everybody organizes events. I think some people will do it and some people will never do it. And some people will do it more. Um, so the idea of having this, you know, just like calling guild, uh, would be good for that so that we're kind of thinking together. So like this kind of 
idea of this superorganism, right, that happened during Catalysbon and we're all listening to it and just taking action based on what it needed. It could also happen between the organizers, just connecting with each other and seeing like, okay, so what, what could happen next? Who, who of us could do it or who else could do it that we could, you know, encourage to, to take action. Mm. Mm. And yeah, I, I, I definitely see myself as a part of it uh, because I'm already doing it. Like I already did this and now I'm, I want to be involved in this project of like with a few people after Catalysbon, we want to buy land uh, and have a place to do events. And this is still like very much at the beginning, but um, I already see myself getting involved in other projects that are coming from this, not because I want to be an organizer, but because I want to see them happening. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I think that's a good idea. Mm. That's what my intuition is telling me as I hear it without thinking too much about it. I think you said a couple of times, um, collective organism. Mm-hmm. So you've, this you've is got... Malcolm's expression, the superorganism, ah. the collective ah. consciousness, and I think just from hanging out with him, I started adopting that term of the superorganism that has lots of moving parts and different consciousnesses that can tune into the higher consciousness of the thing as an entity and act from it. Um, for me, for me, it's, this is so crucial. This part that that there are multiple superorganisms at different scales, and mm-hmm. that make like a human is already a superorganism. That's this like many emergent levels of scale from the like quantum up to the molecules and then the cells and then the organs, you know, like, and then, and then into the psychology of, we have these different parts, you know, different characteristics, different archetypes, mm-hmm. however you want to do that, like all within me and then the relationship yeah. with other people. So then we're the superorganism of the group of five or the group of 30. And what I'm hoping to like, what I keep inviting people in to see is like, see how you're a part of a, of a bigger whole and that there are actually these articulated defined boundaries all the way up and all the way down, like, like basically like this infinitely extending fractal in both directions. And so like, okay, you've just done this thing with 30 people, you know, that you're part of something bigger and amorphous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suspect that its development would be supported by putting in some boundaries. So like knowing that, okay, yeah, there's just camp, there's Catalysbon, there's Vibe Camp, they're all part of something, right? Mm-hmm. And then I just mentioned Doomer Optimism. That's part of something that's immediately adjacent, but there's a bigger circle that encompasses that. And what I'm holding with microsolidarity is like a really big circle, I think, that, that has capacity to hold a few hundred of these kinds of communities. Um, and so I'm like kind of volunteering that space uh, for anyone that's in this part of Twitter and doing these kind of events is like, come and join our discord there's like good conversations happening in there now uh you know think about and learn and suggest and get advice on event designing there and also saying i think there's like that maybe a too big circle and there might be a smaller an intermediate circle which is like specifically like you're saying like the guild of twitter event organizers or something mm-hmm. that someone i can just see the need for it and i'm like i don't i don't think i'm gonna i'm not gonna hold that i'm just gonna point at i'm gonna <laughs> point at the dotted line that i can see and maybe someone yeah. will draw it in yeah someone who will be listening to this conversation will be like, oh, I want to hold space for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I hope that's clear. I think I think you and I get it, but I wonder, yeah, I wonder if we've lost people or I'm hoping that, no, they get it and they're like, someone's getting activated right now as we speak. 
yeah i think i think some people will get it for sure and and this is who this part of the conversation is for so that's cool um and also like something that i was thinking about when you're talking about yeah the super organism and that it happens at different levels um like the self and then small groups and i think this is when people ask me about micro solidarity and what it is i i've explained it in many different ways over the time and and one of my favorite things about it that i notice myself telling people when they ask me what it is is that you just you just point to things like you just give names to groups and to how these parts can exist together in self in dyads in crews in congregations and even just pointing at that is so valuable like since i heard about micro solidarity and what it is it just changed the way i think forever just like implemented this frame in the way how i see things and i see possibilities within groups and yeah i just wanted to bring that up and like i'm so grateful for that it's it's brilliant i appreciate the appreciation i love some good appreciation and that's very specific <laughs> and, and good and i also want to say like this is this is the flip side of the control freak like I I am learning how to be a good framer, you know, and it comes from listening and recycling and then being super opinionated and being like, now all those other things are out, this is in. And it's kind of disrespectful to everyone else's opinions, but this is in and it works. And I know that it works because there's people in very different con contexts that are resonating mm -hmm. with it. But then when it comes to like organizing an event, for example, or hosting a community, I think that I know what's the right thing. Like mm -hmm. my defense mechanism is like, oh, I know where the frame should be. You guys are ignorant. I'm the special guy. Like it's really, it's <laughs> it's a it's two edged sword, right? Like, and it cuts yeah. both ways. So um, that's I think my takeaway from this conversation is just leaning more into letting go and finding ways and strategies that I feel safe to let go and that I'm going to be taken care of and yeah. the group is going to be taken care of. Um, yeah, I, I I feel more more ready to do that than I did an hour ago. So I'm really grateful for you. And for Jess, you know, I think Jess has been yeah. the the um the third person in this conversation all the way through as well, which is awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Jess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I feel wrapping up time. As as I just said, name my takeaways. I wonder if there's anything that you're sitting with. Um, yeah. Any last words? Any plugs? Any hanging questions? Insights? Mm. Weird faces. Mm. Oh, one of the one of the things that came out of Catalysmus. So there were a few projects that kind of started there and now are happening. It's like ten, and one of them is the Booty and Hap Relief Fund. So that's still ongoing, uh, and the limit was already reached, and it's yeah, it's still open. I think so. Just wanting to lead people there if they want so to contribute. Our friend's house burnt down. There's a fundraiser. You can support it. I'll include the link. Yeah. Um, I think this is it. Another, I, I guess one takeaway that kind of builds on top of yours. You said that you're more ready to let go. Um, and I'm very happy to hear that. It's something I'm, yeah, I'm happy that this conversation brought you that. And another thing is, as you let go, rely on people around you and just, yeah, I feel like another one of 
the big lessons in all of this for me is like, hey, I, I, I can talk to people. I can talk to you if I need something. And I know you're there and I can talk to people around me when I'm organizing something and just outsource stuff. And I hope this conversation will be that for people who want to do something and that they also can reach out to us and learn from the things that have been said here before because things have been done before and there's people who have done the thing that you want to do and you can probably find out the information yeah yeah i think this is it thank you rich this was very helpful for me as well to debrief i hadn't talked about it as much since it happened last week um so i'm very happy i'm great uh, i'm great <laughs> i'm great <laughs> You are, you are. <laughs> I just scrambled a whole bunch of words together and it came out. I'm great. That's cool. Um, I agree. And I'm grateful for your time and what you're contributing. I think it makes an enormous difference. Um, we still haven't met in person yet, but I have met people who have met you in person and I have felt the difference in them from having met you. So wow. that makes me look forward to meeting you in person. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, on the debrief thing, I know it's very helpful. And I love doing it with people. So anyone listening, if you're organizing events, debrief with me. I would love to like extract your lessons and share them around with the greater scene for the superorganism. It needs its medicine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Goodbye, internet humans. Bye. And other non-human creatures that may be participating. The higher beings, especially, you're welcome. <laughs>